0: hear from you, Lord, not not from me, Lord, that, that your words would uh, um, just take root in our heart and, and grow into a great harvest, in Christ's name we pray, amen. So, um, we are on week four of, uh, of our series, we're looking at, um, at difficulty in life, and, and uh, you're going to carry that weight a long time, right? Um, and And the reality is and um I always try to be upbeat and, and funny at the front end of a sermon, but it's a sermon about like our <laughs> the whole series is, is sermons about um experiencing difficulty and 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 uh, um, I, all right and and as i as I approach what to talk about in relation to to this series, um we started out a couple weeks ago we we or three weeks ago we talked about uh bad you know when bad things happen and whether or not it's a response to us doing wrong things, right? Like, and and there are people who believe that that you know if something bad happens to you, it's probably that God is squishing you, right? Like you've done something wrong and you deserve this and you brought it on yourself, and and it's not necessarily the case. It can be the case, you know, like it if you if you do something really stupid and the natural consequences are bad for you, you know, like like I I gained a lot of weight a few years ago and I can't really blame God for that. Like the reality is that me going to McDonald's is you know or cause that to happen like i I could try to blame God, but it it wouldn't be sensible, right, but for the most part, God doesn't you know oh well, your dog died, and it's because you're a jerk you know that that's not how it works um and the Bible kind of works through that like that that's not how god does things and and um we uh, we we talked last week about the idea that that um there's not always a reason does that make sense like a lot of times folks will go through a hard time and they'll say. Well, if God would just let me know what the reason was, or why would God let this happen? And in reality, like, even if there is a reason, like, it's not necessarily the case that we're going to understand it. Um, I I think we, last week, we talked about Abby, right? That there are things Abby wants that Abby isn't going to get. You know, and she'll ask me, why can't I do this, or why can't I do that? And my answer is, because, <laughs> um, because well, it's because I'm in charge and, and you're not, and I I see things from a bigger perspective than you do, right? You know, our our forever battle right now is I want to eat candy every morning. That's that's we would not eat food anymore. We would just eat candy, and and I don't let her eat anything until she's eating breakfast. You know, you eat breakfast or you don't get candy. And well, why? I want candy. You you guys know, don't you? <laughs> And, and I, I could explain nutrition to her. I could explain, explain everything to her. But is that going to work? No. Um, oftentimes, reasons are going to escape us. And we're not going to get them. And the reality is that even if we knew why, it probably wouldn't make it not hurt. Everybody with me? Um, the, the biggest platitude, though, like, and I hate hearing it. And I hate like, that folks say it. But I, I'm betting that, that um, most of y'all have heard it. Um, you, you know, when somebody experiences a loss... And, and folks will approach you and they'll say, and finish my sentence here, right? Um, Don't you know that everything happens for a reason? Anybody ever heard it? Anybody ever said it? <laughs> um, this, is a, this is a phrase that's come about as a misquote uh, from the Bible, right? It's actually a, it's a sideways quote. It's like how Abby will sometimes go to Jess and she'll say, Oh, Daddy said this. And she's sort of sideways quoting me to make it sound best. Um, in reality, it's, it's not what the Bible says. And we're going to dip into that. And for that, we're going to go into the book of Romans. And uh, Romans is a letter written by Paul to a church he had never visited. He was on his way to. Paul was going to go to this church in Rome and he was going to set up his base of operations for doing ministry in like Spain and Europe. And that was his big objective, was to go to Spain you know, and do his ministry work. And, and Paul... Um, wrote an introductory letter. Um, and he didn't actually get there the way he intended to. Paul intended to travel and, and visit and then go on and come back to Rome over and over again. And then, in the end, he got arrested and they hauled him there in the back of a paddy wagon. They had those back then. Um, a little more complicated story than that. And so we're going to look at Romans 8. Actually, I need to background this, this particular passage. Ugh. Um This Romans 8, if you go into Romans 7, we're not going to look at that right now, but in Romans 7 is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Paul talks about sin, and he says, listen, when it comes to sin, I look at what I want to do in life, and it's always the thing that I don't do, right? I look at what God's law says, and even if I set out to follow God's law, I end up screwing it up. Anybody relate to that, by the way? (laughs) You're like, yep, I knew what the right thing was, and I got right up there, and the moment I got there, like somebody grabbed the wheel and turned me left and I just went in the wrong direction. Um, and and so Romans seven is all about like struggling with sin and struggling with with um falling into sin. By the way my wife is handing out coloring books and crayons. Um there's one up here by the way or two or three and Michael probably needs one. Um <laughs> <laughs> How long have you had that prepared? Like, was that off the, the cuff or? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> All right, so we make a note. We do not pick on Michael anymore. <laughs> you, <laughs> I don't know about you, John. I, <laughs> I don't pick on Scott because of that. He shoots back. He's he's tough, man. Um, <laughs> so um. That's Romans 7. In Romans 8, he transitions. He says, listen, even though I continue to struggle with sin, I'm saved by Jesus, right? Like, my faith in Christ has saved me. And then the second half of Romans 8 begins to talk about the world being broken. And this may be a surprise to some of y'all, but the world doesn't work the way it's meant to. Are y'all vaguely aware of this? People weren't made to die. People weren't made to get sick. Uh, Cars weren't supposed to break down, but Dodge showed up anyway, a sign of sin. Um... (laughs) The, the world was not made to work the way it works up. That's right, I said that. Um, <coughs> and, and the world is broken. And it's broken because sin slowly has infected it. And it gets worse and worse and worse. And things get worse and worse because of sin. Like this is, It's not because, like, oh, you know... Um, it's not like, oh, Ross did something bad and so now it's raining. It's more like all people sin. And because all people sin, the creation gets more and more broken. It's like letting a teenager drive a car right? I mean, it's the truth, right? You let a teenager drive a car, and are they going to change the oil? No. Are they going to slowly ease out off the line, or are they going to gun it at every opportunity? I've seen you drive, Hannah. Don't even say no. (laughs) The fact of the matter is, teenagers wear cars out. Why? Because, well, because they're teenagers, right? Like, we as people, you know, we're, we're infected with sin, and like, we operate the creation, and it slowly gets more and more broken because we don't work it right. Um, That is the short explanation. Um, And so we jump into Romans 8. This is 8.22. And Paul is talking about, um, well, he says, "...for we know that the whole creation groans and suffers with the pains of childbirth together until now." And what he's saying is, he's like, listen, the whole creation, everything in it, is broken. And it hurts. Um, I've seen childbirth up close. It didn't look that tough. But I I hear that it's painful and, and unpleasant. Every mom in the room is now mad at me. Um, um, the, the, the childbirth is painful, right? And it's, it's, it's this sort of worse and worse and worse pain. And it, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But it's bigger and bigger and bigger in the direction of a final result, right? You get to hold that baby in your hands and, and you get to have this new life. Right? Like this new life comes out of it. Paul compares the world's brokenness to, to birth because in reality, the whole creation is suffering, but ultimately God is going to create new life here. Everybody with me? Like we talk about heaven like it's this place in the clouds far away. In reality, the scripture teaches that heaven will be the recreation of earth. God will take it. He will set it right. It'll be like turning a Dodge into a, into a Toyota and it'll suddenly work Right? And um, (laughs) I know that that one got me in trouble with everybody. Anyway, um, it'll suddenly work right and God will bring all all people back and we'll live on earth. Like heaven isn't a place in the clouds, it's here, but it's here recreated. And so when Paul says, look, the whole creation is broken and it's hurting, it's hurting in the direction of new life, in in the direction of redemption. Um, Jess, at the end of... How many hours was Abby? Fifty-one hours of labor. Which, yeah, anybody? Can anybody beat that? No. Anybody want to? <laughs> um, at the end of fifty-one hours of labor, was it worth it? Like holding that baby? Um, every moment since, has it been worth it? No. <laughs> I should have mentioned Titus. That would have been. Um, he hasn't. He's not old enough to be a stinker yet. Um, he, but, but, like, it's worth it in the end. But the, the pain is there, right? And so Paul says, look, we're moving in the direction of new life, but it's painful. Um, and he goes on, he says, and not only this, but, we, but also we ourselves, having the first fruit of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown, uh, grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. Um, what he's saying here is, um, all of us, everyone who is a believer... Okay, everyone who is in Christ, we all have this thing—the first fruits of the Spirit. Okay, and what that refers to is the Holy Spirit is sort of like taken up residence in us, right? Like, because that's what happens when we're in Christ—the Holy Spirit, like God, moves into our hearts and sets up shop, and we get the beginning taste of what could be. Okay. We get this awareness of what God is going to do, that we're going to be redeemed, that we're going to be made new. And I talk to folks, and I, I, I'm going I'm to put it in this light, I talk to folks who struggle with sin, right? Who struggle with hurt in their lives, or depression, or, or brokenness. And like in Christ, they'll experience like periods of time where stuff is just better. And they, so they get this like taste of, oh, it could be this way. But the fact of the matter is that they're experiencing this pain of childbirth, right? They're heading toward new life, but it hurts like heck on the way there. Um, anybody ever like, come out of a really awful time of sin in your life or a time of like depression or brokenness and it just hurt like heck getting out of it? I mean, this is what he's talking about. He's talking about the pain of moving out of this old life into new life in Christ. Ultimately, he says... Um, We're waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Meaning when Jesus comes back and he recreates the world and we're all made into our glorified selves like the perfect version of ourselves, um, like when we're recreated, that's when it will be perfect there. That'll be the end of it. But until then, some of us are going to die, right? And that's crummy and it hurts. Until then, some of us are going to get sick. Until then, some of us are going to get depressed, until then, some of us are going to fail at things that we really, really believe we should do better at. Or we're going to get mired in sin. It's like stepping in gum, right? Once it's on you, you can't quite get it unstuck. And you put your foot down and it sticks to the ground again, right? Um, that, that's what sin is. I mean, sin is this thing that sticks to you. And we get mired, stuck in it. And getting out of it becomes really t- tough. Um, Or another way to talk about it, I went fishing with Eric last year, a couple years ago, and we were walking on the bank of the the river, and I was in my tall boots, and I, I stepped forward, and the boot sunk up over the top, like it was up to my knee, and I pulled my foot out, and the boot didn't come with me. And so now I'm standing on the bank of this river in my sock trying to yank the boot out of the, you know. And it, it eventually I just put my foot down in the mud and lost my sock. Um, <laughs> but it gets worse and worse and sin does that to us. And it's painful and it hurts. And getting out of it sometimes is tougher than, than getting into it was, right? And we experience pain as we go through the process of becoming new. But it's hard. It's incredibly difficult. But new life in Christ means killing off the old part of ourselves and coming to this new self, right? We don't kill off the old self, right? Paul talks about crucifying our flesh daily, which isn't pleasant. (laughs) We can never get to this new place. And so Paul is talking about this process. This is 24 and 25. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. So Paul says, listen, we are saved because Jesus died and rose again, right? Like he took the punishment for our sins. If we're in Christ, we have hope that Jesus is coming back and that we'll be made new, right? We have this hope. I know in the future this is what's going to happen. I believe it with all of my being, right? And and I hope in it. I hope that one day my brokenness, like the part of me that has no brain filter and I say horrible things to people and the part of me that like, continues to have horrible, evil thoughts and the part of me that you know, like, like, wants to rebel against God, I have hope that that part of me will be cleansed and made new. Right? But I live in that hope. I live looking forward that there's going to be a day I'm not going to have to wrestle with my sin every day. Um, like I, I have a hope for that. And all of us as believers should have that hope. You know, or hope that that um, our sorrow will be gone one day, because you know the Book of Revelation says, right, like that when Christ comes again, He'll wipe away every tear, um, that 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 suffering will be no more, that death will be no more, that all of that will be gone. We live in hope of that day coming, um, but it's not something that we're going to see yet. It's something we'll see one day. If we could see it, it wouldn't be hope. So when you sit around and you say, "I wish God would just," you know, like <laughs> part of that is that 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 hope is hard, isn't it? It's hard. It's hard to hope when things hurt. It's hard to trust when we're, when we're broken. Um, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Um, I, I knew a young man who was in, uh, he was in jail, right, for, for, he had a drug charge, he had a whole mess of drug charge, he, he was, he had a pretty significant, significant drug problem, and he, he said that when he got into jail, like, he started begging for God to get him out. Just get me out of jail, right, just get me out of jail, and, and eventually he did, he went to rehab, (laughs) And he got there, and the first conversation I had with him, he said, I really wanted God to get me out of jail, but I sure as heck didn't want to come here. (laughs) This was not on my list. Ultimately, when we pray, has anybody ever prayed for something and then after the fact realized if you had gotten it, it would have been a train wreck? Or prayed for something, and in the end, God gave you something much better than what you even knew you wanted? Like, the Holy Spirit living in us watches um, and he, he he rides along with us, and he knows us even better than we know ourselves and when we pray, the Holy Spirit also prays. He also goes to the Father and he says, "This is what Eric needs. this is what Caitlin needs. this is what Dale needs, this is what um, the Williamses need. this is what these people need because the Holy Spirit knows us better right and And he actually even goes beyond words. Um, there are times, has anybody ever been in that spot where you, you, you're like, I just can't even find the words to say? I cannot even like, find the words to say to express what I'm experiencing right now? Um, or where you try to talk and you just end up speechless in the end? Um, as a guy who says things for a living, I'm here to tell you it's an easy place to end up. Um, or just to say the wrong thing. Um, God knows your heart because the Holy Spirit is resident in it. He has taken up like, and set up shop in you, and he talks to God on your behalf. Um, and not only that, but he's pushing you in the direction of becoming what you're supposed to be, right? All of that birth pain is him pulling you out of the mud. Um, but it's hard. And so like, as we experience difficulty, as we go through times of... Like tough and trial and everything else, we need to know that God is with us, and God isn't just with us in this like really pleasant sort of happy way. He's sitting in your in your heart, and he's literally groaning out to the Father on your behalf. Like like when you weep, the Spirit weeps with you, and and literally weeps before the throne of God on your behalf. Um, anybody ever feel abandoned? It's just not the truth in the end, right? Because the Spirit never abandons us. Um, 828. All right, now see if you can catch the misquote. And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. Is that the same thing as everything happens for a reason? Nope. Actually, it implies that some things can happen without a reason, right? Um, C.S. Lewis once talked about uh, sculpting, right? Anybody ever break a, a block of marble? Or actually, just all the time. <laughs> it's the wrong part of the world, isn't it? <laughs> um, actually, perhaps a better way to describe it would be: anybody ever get out in a field and break the ground, right? You got the, the that that really cool thing you drag behind your tractor with the wheels. What's it called? Is, it, is that is it a disc? I, I don't know. I'm a city boy. I don't even know what a jackrabbit is. Um, <laughs> there's like three people who get that. And I'm <laughs> um, the breaking of the ground is probably painful, right? I, the ground doesn't actually feel anything, but you get the point, right? Like The reality is that when God steps in and he begins to shape us, or he allows brokenness to happen and it does shape us, it moves us in a direction. How does it do that? Well, it does that if we're, like, looking to him, right? If something bad happens to me and I sit in the mud and I commiserate and I, and I cross my arms and I get angry at God and I say, I will never move forward from this spot, um, I can make my bad thing meaningless, can't I? Um, I met an atheist gal years ago... Um, I can't tell the whole story because it, it'd take too long. Um, but she was furious at God. I'd never met anybody more venomous and angry at God. And I've never met anybody who, like, swore as much as this gal. Um, and we would talk about God, and she would cuss me up and down. Like, it was a, it was a load of fun to work with this person. Um, I'm trying to say it gently. Um, and through a series of things that happened... Ask me the story, like, after church. It's a good story. Um, but through a series of things that happened... I, I finally kind of pinned her down in a conversation and I asked her, like, why are you so mad at God? And she told me this story of this awful thing that happened to her, right? And, and in the end, she had this awful thing happen and what she did was, I'm not moving forward and I hate you, God, right? And she got stuck. And that thing that happened became meaningless, the moment she turned and began to heal and began to grow and began to like like encounter Jesus and began to like become a new creation, meaning came to this awful thing that happened. It was a point of brokenness that gave her an opportunity to grow. Um, how did she grow? Well, it was hard, right? Um, the reality is. What this passage is saying, it's not saying that everything happens for a reason. It's saying that God can make all of that garbage that's sitting on your chest, all of that brokenness that finds its way in, all of that sorrow in your heart, all of that depression, all of that junk, all of that shame over your sin, He can take all that stuff and He can turn it into something worthwhile. Or you can hold on to it. Um, and you can sit in it. Hannah, can you come up here a second? I actually have an illustration. We'll see. Make a fist for me. Hard fist as you can. Oh, you're much stronger than I am, I'm sure. You're an Anderson. Um, (laughs) All right, I got a $5 bill, and Hannah is making a fist as hard as she can, right? Can I give her $5 if she won't open her hand and accept it? Oh, I can't give it to you. Sit down. Damn. Um, <laughs> 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 um, the reality is if we hold on to our pain, if we hold on to our hurt, if we hold on to that garbage and we never open our hand back up, God won't do anything for us, Right? Um, how does he do something for us with it? How can God work through? Well, he does it um, very specifically, and I think this is where we, yeah, we're not going to talk about the, the, the predestination part of this, because I don't want to have that conversation. We're going to talk about what this verse says, and we're going to talk about it in context of this, okay? So anybody who thought, oh my gosh, he's going to read that verse, no, um, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. What does that mean? It means that everyone who is in Jesus is one day going to be like Jesus, right? You are going to go from being like this sinful, angry, hurt person and slowly God is going to remake you and ultimately when you arrive, you're going to be like Jesus. Everybody got that? That's the destination. And from the very beginning of time... Like, like God knew you would find, you know, you would be in Christ, and He knew you would end up where you were going to be, right? He's all knowing. It's sort of how God works. Um, would be conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn amongst many brethren. Meaning, um, Jesus will be like the first child, and we'll all be related to Him, right? We'll all be like family with Him. We'll be in His image, and we'll be in His image in a way that is pretty unlike the way we are now all the all the junk will be gone and we'll become what we're meant to be right Um, I I suppose I don't farm, but I suppose ideally fields would all start to look like each other toward the end of the season, right? Assuming that we're growing and stuff. It doesn't happen if you don't break them first and plant the seeds. And if you don't water them and you don't do the work, right? If you don't pick the rocks out, you don't do all of that stuff. Ultimately, you're going to get a field of wheat, right? If you do the work required to get a field of wheat and if it rains. But that's a whole other conversation. Um, (laughs) But the process is heading, you know, you you want your wheat to look like a wheat field. Right? We all become more and more like Christ and the objective is for us to look like Christ. Isn't it true? The brokenness that we experience is its like birth pains. It's labor pains. We're going to go through them, but we go through them with the objective of new life. Of new creation. Um... He also called these whom He called, He justified. And these whom He justified, He also glorified. So each of us at some point in time had an opportunity to answer a call, right? Um, For me, I I was invited to accept Christ when I was in junior high. And it was Halloween night in the middle of the night, right? Like 11 o'clock at night, you know, 20 some odd years ago. I was called. I was then justified, right? Because once I was in Christ, Jesus took away my sin. Um, And ultimately, I'll be glorified. How will I be glorified? I'll become like Jesus, right? It's not going to happen perfectly until I've died and risen again, right? Which we all will. But it's a painful process. Recreating is a painful process. Breaking the old thing and putting a new one in hurts. Um, But pain can have a purpose. It can have this purpose like, like. well, let's, let's look at some application ideas here. Paul is assuming that suffering is a universal constant. Everybody suffers. The whole world is broken. Suffering is going to happen. There's no out. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, through the Spirit, God knows our hearts and he aids us, right? So I may hurt, but God hurts with me because his Spirit is sitting in my heart, right? He is right there crying alongside me. He is right there mourning alongside me. Um, Jesus, when he approached the tomb of Lazarus, um, his friend, his, his family member, and he raised him from the dead, he didn't just walk up and say, oh, it's okay, I'm just going to bring him back to life. What did he do? Really, nobody has that verse memorized? Jesus wept, right? Shortest and yet some of the, probably the most powerful verse like in the Gospels, right? Like Jesus approached it, he knew what death was, but he knew Lazarus was coming back, and he still cried. Because God suffers with us. He doesn't want it to be broken. He doesn't want the creation to, to hurt. Um, there are times that Abby hurts and I look at her and I know she's gotta to hurt to grow up. Right? When she does something, thank you. When she does something silly and hurts herself, she learns, right? I'm teaching her to ride her bicycle on the on the driveway, and she's fallen off because she can't learn to she hasn't bought that she gotta hold the wheel straight. Right, so we'll get going, and she'll she's learning to pedal, and then she'll be like, yeah. You know, and, you know. <laughs> the reality is that hurting is a part of the process. If she doesn't hurt, she's not going to learn it. Isn't it true? And it hurts me to see her hit the hit the driveway. Like it doesn't make me happy, but God sees us the same way. Like we grow, but there's hurt involved. And it's going to happen. The Bible assumes it's going to happen, but God knows our heart. But we can be shaped into Christ's image. How do we do that? Well, I'm going to tell you. We do it by leaning on God in time of suffering, right? We do it when when, when my aunt died years ago. I, uh, I, I remember sitting at her funeral, and I was, I was very emotional about it. We were, I lived with her for a while. She was very close. And, and the pastor read a letter that she had written where she talked about how she was in glory. Said, you know, I've had cancer for years, I'm, you know, been suffering. It's been a very hard decade for me. And and I'm, I'm free now. You all are sad, but I'm in heaven. I'm with my Father. You know, I'm with Jesus. Ultimately, like that's the truth, isn't it? And I learned something in that moment. I learned, you know, I may be sad, but there's hope. I may not see it, but I know it's true. And if I can stand in a time of hurt and look and say, God knows what he's doing, number one. And number two, hurt moves us in the direction of redemption. Lean on God. There's purpose in the hurt. Isn't it true? It's not an easy truth. It's a hard truth. For Abby, Abby would call it yucky medicine. (laughs) Right? It's medicine you take, but you don't like it. Um, The shaping can offer context and consolation is the idea, right? If I know what the truth is, If I know that God can work through my pain, I can have a meaning to it. I may not know why bad stuff happens, but I know what can happen through it. Ultimately, at the end of the day, the most horrible thing that ever happened in the world, ever, right? Jesus, who was the Son of God, who loved us so much, he stepped out of the comforts of heaven to live in a dirty, nasty world, Right? And then he lived a perfect life and healed people and served people and said what God told him to say and we killed him. The most unjust thing possible because he was punished for my sin and your sin. But I suspect Christ went through. In fact, I know it's true because Christ sat there in the garden and he prayed and he sweated blood. He was so afraid. And he said, not my will, but yours. Right? He knew there was an end purpose and that was our justification. As we suffer, as we hurt, we can know there's an end purpose, and that's becoming like Jesus. Um, I'm going to close us in prayer, and, and um, I think I don't think we're doing a last song today. Um, so let's uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would uh, be with us. Help us to open our hands and receive the blessings you have for us. The blessing of of hope that that you're moving us in the direction of new creation. That the the momentary affliction we experience, the pain and the sadness and the the depression and the the, um, struggling with the the sin in our lives, like all of these things, Lord, these are birth pains. These are birth pains in the process of new life, new Christ-likeness. I pray that you would help us all this week to every day, every day, every day to look to you and to work in that direction, to strive to become like Jesus. Amen. Uh, thank you very much and we'll actually close with a blessing. I wasn't telling the truth. I'm not quite done. Um, so if you stand up and receive the blessing. May you go forth from this place and make your pain meaningful. May you become like Jesus every day and may you like, experience the suffering that, that change brings as a time of joy like, for becoming like Jesus. Amen.